Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from iHeartRadio. So many actors who went on to have amazing careers in primetime television and film started in soap operas. Meg Ryan, Tom Selleck, Julianne Moore, to name just a few. And then there are those who stayed in daytime television to become huge stars in that genre. My guest today is without a doubt the biggest star in the history of daytime TV, Susan Lucci. The actress played the iconic villain Erica Kane on ABC's All My Children for four decades from the show's inception in 1970 until it wrapped in 2011. Following 19 nominations, she finally took home the Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in 1999 and received the Emmy's Lifetime Achievement Award this past December. But Lovable Bad Girl is not the only role in Lucci's wheelhouse. She has acted in numerous roles in film and TV, from Devious Maids to Hot in Cleveland, and starred on Broadway in Annie Get Your Gun. Susan Lucci has yet another achievement to boast of, a long and healthy partnership with husband Helmut Huber. Huber passed away in 2022 after 52 years of marriage. I wanted to know what was the secret of their successful union. Incredibly good luck on my part to meet him because I was I was young and I didn't, I don't think I really knew exactly how fabulous he was and just got really lucky. Fortunately, he had a very good sense of humor, and uh, he was very confident. This was really helpful in this business we're talking about, you mm-hmm. know. He took a lot of ribbing, all those guys I was kissing on all my children. But, you know, he got it. You know, he knew I came home to him, and I wanted to. So. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was younger, I mean, now I don't really do any of that, but when I was younger, and I had a girlfriend at one time who really was very, very— agitated by that. I was just starting to make films. I just was starting to go from TV to films. 
and I had to kiss somebody who was very well known. <laughs> and this movie was going to be all over, you know, mm, the TV and everything. Mm-hmm. And me kissing this person was going to be featured. Who knew? Who knows? But, but and she really just couldn't take it. She was really very angry all the time. It's not that. for everybody. Yeah, I used to say if the shoe were on the other foot, I would have been throwing my stilettos. I mean, I would not have taken it as well when right. I was young. Well, when I had it the other way. When a woman in my life was in the business and she was kissing other people, I just would look at her and say, if you left me for him, you got to be an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> that I would mean, sound like helmet to like a good luck. Like, I mean, please, go right ahead. They'll teach me everything about you I need to know. You know what I mean? But you, I don't want to talk just about the TV show at length. I want to talk about the other things you did and the other things you wanted to do. I mean, your commitment to that show is singular. You were on it right to the end. <laughs> you surfed that wave right to the shore. <laughs> but other than that, what were there other things you wanted? You did do other things. You made films. You stepped in for Bernadette and Nanny Gets Your First Gun. First one to go in for Bernadette. That's I was amazing. so thrilled. And I the thought Tom Wopat was great. I loved Tom. Oh, Tom Wopat. Did you fabulous. work with Tom? Yes. I worked oh, I with the whole Tom. original company. Yeah. yeah, I love Tom. Yeah. But how did that happen? Like you, you go to this, the TV show and you say... I went out, or you went? You did the TV show and went to night work at night. I did both. I did both. I had a short time off, but all the rehearsals, I just was able to have time off just before the opening. But I wound up getting pneumonia because I would work at all my children. They accommodated my schedule so that we started a little earlier in the morning, did all my stuff first, mm-hmm. and um, then I would on my lunch hour get in a car, go to the theater grab a chicken soup on the way, and go and rehearse, go to voice lessons five nights a week because I had never sung professionally. Did you study theater and acting in college? Mm -hmm. Where'd you go? I went to Marymount College. It's a Catholic women's college, but it's in Tarrytown. And all the drama faculty was from Yale and Royal Shakespeare Company in London. It's a good school, Marymount. It was a wonderful school. Very good school. A wonderful for me. Jesuit school, which is the smarty pants guys. So that was good. The faculty was phenomenal. And they were all working in the business. So the head of the drama department, who was from Yale, was also a member of Cafe La Mama and the Lincoln Center rep. So I got the classics as well as the new stuff. So you do that show, you did, you know, small roles and things back in the 60s, but then you're doing films throughout the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you're, you're doing Army Wives, a couple through episodes of that, you're working outside the show. Why did you feel you wanted to, you're just a kind of, I don't want to say workaholic, but you, you like to work. I do like to work, and I like to work as an actress, and, uh, you know, probably... A couple of things. First of all, I'd never thought that I could call myself an actress if I only played one part. And even though the part was the part that kept me on that show for so long because I loved doing that part, that part was one of the best parts with the most range and the most possibilities. And I worked with a company of actors who I loved and and trusted, and it was wonderful, and the writing was fantastic. It was Agnes Nixon. A lot of reasons that kept me there. However, having said that, I just never thought that playing one part would make me an actress. I had to do more. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I did. And the other thing I started to say is that I think a lot of actors, you know, you feel like you, you should say yes as much as you can say yes because someday it won't all be there. Right. So you just say yes while you can. I did a soap, The Doctors. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody in that cast, not everybody, but a thick band of them were all, like they did the soap for the pension and welfare and the paycheck and the medical, and then they ran off to the theater where it was their passion. Yeah. We were half hour, which was starting to fade and go down. 
we were the older cast was primary. I always tell people that the cast photo was the adults in front and the kids in the back because the kids were the supporting players. Mm-hmm. Then that changed mm-hmm. with uh, Bold and the Beautiful. With All My Children. All My Children, or Ryan's Hope, Young and the Restless. Mm-hmm. However, on your show, the youth revolution comes, and you're still young at this point, but but you're one of the older cast members of the no, younger cast members. No. No? No, I started playing Eric as a 15-year-old high school girl. No. And something that drew me to that was drew me to the show because the man who was the head of the department at Marymount, who came from Yale, only wanted me to do theater and maybe film, those two things. Television and daytime television never even came into the equation. But when I read the script and I saw that the four kids, and we were in high school, were now featured with, with storylines, and I loved the part, I thought, well, I'm going to change his mind. I'm going to do this. And it's so well written. And I have this incredible part. So I took the part. He was not happy at first. But then he actually was interviewed by TV Guide and, and said at the time, I know why she did this, you know. But even as you're in that generation mm-hmm. and you're younger and you stay with the show and you're getting older. Yes. And, and, and other young stars are coming in yes. too for the show. Mm-hmm. You remain one of the stars of the show. Mm. Why? How did you pull that off? I think it was the writing that pulled it off, you know. Thank you for saying that. No, it's some but, um, Thank you. I was very lucky, as I said, she, you know, so I started her playing as a 15-year-old girl, but she was never the girl next door, and she was not the girl that, you know, everybody was going to embrace. She was the naughty girl in town, and then she was major bad girl in town and on a world stage, and I never thought the audience was going to like her. I, I loved to play her. <laughs> the bad girl. <laughs> the bad girl. Yeah. And you never thought they would embrace the bad girl. Never thought and that. And boy, were you wrong. Yeah, it turned out that way. They love way. bad girls. They loved bad girls. They do love that. And what they saw, and again, the writing was there to support it, was they saw that she was a girl who had dreams for herself, and she was going to go out there and get them. She had spirit <laughs> and she had spunk. She didn't always do it the right or the nice way, mm, right. but they really loved her spunk. Her spirit. You would, they would watch these shows. I remember because the, the generation comes in now where the the audience isn't sixties housewives. It's young people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's college kids, and they're watch. They stop in the middle of the day to watch their stories, mm-hmm. my stories, and then they would watch the show. And then you're on there doing whatever, and they'd sit there and be like, you know, Corey, Corey, it's us. <laughs> we did that. You know, anything bad you did was very familiar to them. Well, and also. Um, Erica, I think, represented my generation that we were working. You know, my generation was working. They were not getting out of college and just getting married. They had their own dreams and aspirations to have a getting job. Getting married wasn't enough. Wasn't, wasn't the only thing on their mind, but they had additional things on their minds. And going to Marymount, which was a women's college, I remember when we would, would talk about our dreams. We had aspirations for ourselves in terms of career. And it wasn't a question of if we were going to do that. It was when we were mm-hmm. going to. This is what we were going to do and how could we do it. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Agnes Nixon wasn't your head writer throughout the entire run. She was, was the she? creator. She was yes. the creator, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the writers would come and go. I mean, some... Writers would, yes. A lot of them would stay for, for years. But Lorraine Broderick became the head writer because Agnes would come and go occasionally. Did everybody who came on to run the show, they all basically treated you the same way? Was that another great advantage you had? Was that Erica's not going anywhere? It seemed to be that way. Right. It seemed to be that way. That's hard. 
to pull uh, off? Only, again, you know, I think because Agnes was involved and it was her creation and she was in the room, you know. And also, I remember our last producer, Julie Crothers, who was lucky to have wonderful producers, too. And Julie would say, the last man who was the head of ABC Daytime, I believe, was not so enamored of, of Agnes being involved. And I remember Julie saying that Agnes is the youngest voice in the room. So she had good stories to tell, and she remained relevant and groundbreaking, always. So I think because of Agnes and Agnes's beautiful writing for, for my character, Erica, I think that's why I got to stay. These people work really hard. You you come up with a fresh idea every day. The only bad part was we would do a double tape, very rarely, because we had to accommodate people who were working on Broadway. Yes. We had cast members who, on a Wednesday, they did the matinee, so they would have to leave by one. We'd pre-tape their scenes. And they had a scene on a Christmas show where they're floating between everybody. So there's, they're in a party, and all the family of the show is there, and they're floating with the camera, and they go all land on this one and this one. And they're like, my God, I can't wait for us to head down to Palm Beach and have a nice vacation, something light. Pan to the next one, and the wife or the girlfriend saying to the boyfriend, I know you had drinks with her, Chad. I know you had drinks with her, I saw you. And something something turgid there. Then they'd land on me last, and I was like a little bit drunk because I went to lunch at Hurley's <laughs> down on the bottom of the building. That's where we always went because we, we, we usually left and didn't come back. Oh. We had lunch and film. Now we had to come back to finish the rest of the taping as we did a double taping. And I came back when they finally land on me in their floating shot. They land on me and I go, you know, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. And I blow the whole take. For, and they looked at me like, you better straighten out. You know? uh, this was at the beginning. This was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot of the things that were significant to me about the professionalism of your acting career mm-hmm. on that TV show, on that daytime TV it's show. It's interesting. It's wonderful. The show ends 2011, correct? Mm-hmm. And all of the daytime that was an empire, where, where did you shoot? On West End Avenue over in the big, at the Kremlin? I call it the Kremlin. <laughs> uh, at 66th and Columbus. Yeah. Where they and have then the... we moved to 67th and uh, West End. And the last two years we shot in L.A. You did? Mm-hmm. How, I didn't know that. How did yeah. that happen? Well, we were told that it would be more cost-effective at that time. And and also because of the climate, it would be really great. We could shoot outside as well, do the location actually nearby. Did you enjoy of, it? I did. I, I, re- I did. I, I didn't expect to because so many actors from New York would say how much they didn't love working in L.A. I, I did, maybe because I grew up in the suburbs and I was used to being in a car and, mm-hmm. and even like it. So I was fine with that. And where did you live when you were out there? Where, where did you shoot? We shot in Glendale. We shot in Glendale. Uh-huh. And we had an apartment in Glendale. The studio was six minutes from our apartment if I hit the red lights. In Garden City, it was an hour and a half commute. But I really, it was fine for me because I studied my lines on the way in. Mm-hmm. And I could just return phone calls and be a vegetable on my way How'd home. you get in every day? Somebody drove you? Yes. It began with Helmet driving me. That's love. Yes, it really... Yes, he was fantastic. But then when I was 27, one of the vice presidents of the network offered me a limo, you know, to pick me up and take me in. And I remember saying, I thanked them very much, but I said, you know, people are coming here on this subway. And if I show up in a limo, this is an ensemble. I'm going to be playing scenes with them. 
this is probably not going to be a good way to have a company of actors. You didn't want to be viewed that way. No, I wanted to be. I was part of the company. I, I recognized that the part that was being written, and I was lucky enough to have, it wasn't written for me, but there was a collaboration for sure. I saw what was on the page, and frankly, I, I mean, you know, my experience with the writing there was incredible. And I had good training, so I knew how I, I mean, my judgment I thought was a good judgment. And it was really so well written. Also, I was one of those characters you're talking about that the writer wanted to tell the story through, mm-hmm. and I and I realized that I was very, very lucky. But one thing with Agnes is that she would tell very complicated, relevant stories, current stories, but through everybody's eyes. I think Erica was Agnes's voice, right. but I, I, I really admired the fact that these complicated issues, anybody watching out there could could have the, see themselves represented. What was the challenge for you to keep that role fresh? Do you suggest things to them? I always believe that someone who's as talented as you are and who owns that role in the way that you did, you have every right to turn to them and say, I'd like you to maybe think about this. Mm-hmm. You suggest. How much were you able to suggest? Very, very little. Really? Yeah, very little. You just deferred to Agnes. It was there. You know, I was really lucky. I most, Mostly I would read the you script. Were First of all, it was a new script every day. And you know very well from having been on daytime, it was the length of a play a day. It was a play a day. Yeah. And so there's a lot of material, not only to commit to memory, but to fill, to make work, you know. And so the day-to-day was very occupying of my mind, and, and, uh, and I was in such good hands. In the final times, you know, when we moved to L.A. and when the person who was in charge of daytime brought in a new writer altogether, and he met with our our company of actors during a lunch period in our rehearsal hall. And the first thing that that writer, who might have been a wonderful writer in a different genre, but what he said was, I'm going to shake things up. That's fine. But he said, so some of you may not recognize your characters or your relationships and so on. And so what happened was that during rehearsal in the morning, what he said was true. And so many actors were concerned. I was one of them, too, of course. You know, people would come to me and say, what are you doing about this? So you just try to hold on tooth and nail, you know. Can you tell when people were coming on, the younger people, newer people, whether they had it or not, the discipline to do the show? I could see that some people were struggling. You know, well, no, we're wonderful. Oh, I mean, wonderful. Yeah. Josh, Kim, Darnell, they, they stood out right away. Kim Delaney. Kim Delaney. Josh Demel. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Kim Delaney. Yes. And actually, Michael B. Jordan. Michael um, played my stepson by marriage to Jack Montgomery, to Walt Willie, who was spectacular, too. But he was one, he was 16, and uh, always very, what you're saying, disciplined, showed up on time, showed up prepared, very respectful, very nice person, good guy. When you did the show, were there actors, you just were like, you enjoyed working with them, they were great Oh, actors. absolutely. Walt Willie, who I worked with most often, who was my love interest throughout, lots of times, in and out, he's so funny. And very quick and loved working with him. And on the other side of the coin, David Canary, who was a spectacular actor. I worked with him probably next to Walt. I worked with David Canary most, but we, I mean, I hated him. Erica hated him. But those scenes were, were wonderful. And, you know, you were saying earlier about, you know, the senior actors leaving because they were on Broadway and they had 
places to go. I thought that was one of the biggest pluses working in New York, that the other actors were phenomenal Broadway actors. I mean, Jimmy Mitchell, who danced the curly ballet in Oklahoma on Broadway and was so urbane. And, you know, I was young and to, to learn from these incredibly successful actors who were working on Broadway. Sometimes someone like Philip Bosco, who, yeah, would come and do, you know, an arc on the show. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember one day I was doing a concert version of One Touch of Venus, and we would rehearse at the Amsterdam Theater during my lunch hour. I'd run up there and do that and come back. Was it for encores? Yes, oh, and um, at the time, and uh, it was so much fun. And again, wonderful Broadway actors. Peggy Cass was playing my mother. And yes, I know, it's incredible. And coming back to the studio and be- waiting behind the sets, you know, if the cameras broke down a little bit or the something was happening technically that we didn't know, but we had to be on hold, stay at our places. So behind the scenes, my set flowed into behind Jimmy Mitchell's set. And he came up to me, in the, in the, and he just took me in his arms and waltzed with me. He danced with me all over the backstage while we were waiting. You know, some of those wonderful experiences. Actress Susan Lucci. If you enjoy conversations with talented female thespians, check out my episode with former As the World Turns star and Oscar winner Julianne Moore. I'm very chatty. I like mm-hmm. to talk all the way up to action. I do. I do. And if you can't talk to me, I'm really disappointed. Then I get lonely. I don't want to be lonely when I'm working. Yeah. I want to be with my buddy. Talk to me. I want to talk to me. Talk Let's to me. You're my friend. Let's be buddies. Talk to me. What'd you do this morning? What'd you have for dinner last night? What are you doing later today? Are you cold? Do you like that sweater? <laughs> do you like my sweater? What are you doing? Action. Acting. I love it. That's my oh, favorite God, part. Yeah. <laughs> then you get this great connection with another human being, and then the scene is like, poof, comes alive. To hear more of my conversation with Julianne Moore, go to heresthething.org. After the break, Susan Lucci shares the story of how she landed the part of a lifetime, a leading role on The Great White Way. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Annabay. Annabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Annabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I dot com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. 
Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Susan Lucci has spent decades enjoying the prolific output of a successful acting career. She's also the mother of two children and stepmother to two more. I was curious whether anyone in her family wanted to follow her into show business. My daughter did for a while. What'd she do? She was on Passions. Aha! Yeah, and she was wonderful. She's absolutely wonderful. And then what happened? Uh, she didn't love it. And can you say why? I don't know that it was ever articulated why, but, I, I, but she did not really love it. And most people I know who their kids go into it, especially now, a lot of my friends, their kids go in, and they, well, the one thing that they can't handle is the unreliability of it. Oh. You know, that you don't work that much, and, mm-hmm. you're, and you're off all this time. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You don't know where you're going to be four months from now, six months from now. They, they couldn't stand that. They wanted to have their life and, and live somewhere and go to their yoga class and have their husband or boyfriend or whatever the— Yeah, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And being the spouse of the person, you were saying earlier, you know, you had a girlfriend who didn't get it and right. Helmut did get it. But I, I would marvel at that and really admire him for how great he was about— and smart, you know, because it's not for everybody. Somebody famous once said to me, don't get too blown off course. Don't let the wind in your sails to take you. Don't watch comedies that make you laugh, make you see. Don't watch dramas that make you cry. He said, watch National Geographic shows of animals. While you're you know, on the set in the middle of while shooting. While you're shooting a movie. Yeah. And don't get too in a different head. Mm-hmm. Try to stay in this kind of neutral gear. Mm-hmm. And then he said to me, like when you go anywhere, he goes, don't, don't talk to people on the phone. Don't talk to your girlfriend on the phone. Don't talk to your decorator on the phone you know, about how much money he's going to spend on yeah, your bathroom. Or God forbid you have a fight with your girlfriend. Don't, yeah, don't talk don't to do it. The other one was this guy turned to me once. It was Albert Salmi. The great, great character actor, Albert Salmi, he was there sitting on the edge of the set in a chair reading the L.A. Times or something. And he says, are you going to go back to your trailer? I go, no, I think I'll hang out. And he said, that's the best thing. He goes, don't leave the set. He said, don't go back to your trailer. 
The set is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Always be stay linked to the process. That's great. Yeah. Felt the same way. I, I would see people reading books, and I thought, gee, how do they do that? I can't do that. Concentrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it takes you out of that world. It takes you, takes you world. to a different world. One last question about the show. Directors. I found that uh, we had some wonderful directors, mm-hmm. most of who had to go. This is back in the 80s with great theater backgrounds, and uh, and they were kind of wickedly funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd say to the director, Henry Kaplan, I'd say... Oh, Henry? You had Henry yes, Kaplan? Yes, we had You know Henry. Oh, oh yeah, God. wickedly funny is exactly oh, right. Oh, my God. He was. He terrorized me. <laughs> me too, terrorized me. Yeah, I'd have a drink in my hand like this, and i go, I'm gonna, can I hold this up? When I say this line, I want to sip, and then I want to pull it away and say the other part of where I'm thinking of anything to play. And I go, and I'll do this, and I'll never forget, I'm doing a scene with Kim Zimmer, and Henry goes, that's fine, you do whatever you want to do. He goes, I'm going to be on her anyway. <laughs> you bastard. You bastard. We had some great directors. Though. We had great directors, guys. and Henry Henry was terrific. Also, we used to get our notes. They called them red chairs. They would call us to red chairs, which were a bunch of red director's chairs set up, right. you know, in the middle of the, the studio to get our notes. So the whole company of actors got their notes together. This was both humiliating right. and bonding. Yeah. You know, because you, you we were humiliated together. We all had our chance. being, And when Henry was directing, the humiliation was flying. We were just, yeah. oh. He buried you. We buried you, destroyed you, right before you had to go on air and play those scenes. Yeah. yeah. Action. <laughs> yeah. But that was him. And, the, and, and it took me a while. It took me a couple of weeks to figure out that that was his humor. Yeah. Because I was oh, destroyed. It was funny. Oh, he was did so Bob funny. Were you, did Bob Sento direct yes, you guys? Yes, Bob Sento did, too. Sento, too. Yes. Well, you all want to move on to the hour shows because it's more fun for them. Yeah. The half-hour shows. Yeah. It's like you're all just getting started and, mm-hmm. and we wrap. It's over, yeah. yeah. It's over. Now, you are doing what? No, no, they said there might be a reboot of the show or no? You know, they're saying that, and I'm told that. Then, of course, the writer's strike came and the actor's right. strike, so I thought it was, you know, gone by then, but yeah. I'm told it's still possibly in the works, so that's we'll see. That's yeah. incredible. Now, in terms of other things you're doing mm-hmm. now, you've been involved with that theater in West Hampton for a very long time, correct? Well, with Celebrity Autobiography. Right. You know, we took the play there. You were in the first one. I did one of them, and I did a couple of them at Guildhall. At Guildhall. Actually, I did the first concert there with Marvin Hamlish. Yeah. You sang. Yes, a little bit. Marvin asked—well, I met Marvin in Sag Harbor at that theater, actually. What? He uh, was doing— uh, a concert there. And his wife came up to me during intermission and, and told me that she was Marvin's wife. And she was great herself, but she said, I'm Marvin's wife, and he'd like to meet you. Would you like to meet Marvin? I said, but I'd like to meet Marvin, of course. So she took me backstage to meet him afterwards. And that was a meeting that changed my life. First of all, it was all during that time where I hadn't won the Emmy for many, many, many nominations. And uh, he was assuring me that it had nothing to do with my my work. I mean, he was really encouraging me. He was a fan, which was so thrilling that Marvin Hamlish would be a fan. Then he called me afterwards and asked me if I'd like to to work with him. We worked at Heinz Hall in Pittsburgh the first time. I know Heinz Hall. Do you know Heinz yeah. Hall? And uh, the deal was that I would give a seminar to the uh, seniors who were drama majors at Carnegie Mellon, or Carnegie, might have been just Carnegie at the time. Anyway, he he called me then one night and said to me, I'd like to write a song for you to dance with the chorus boys who are dance majors at Carnegie. They will be there and they will come and they will dance with you and you will dance with them. How does that sound? I said, 
that sounds amazing. You know, thank you. And his the doorbell rang at his apartment. He said, hold on a second. My Chinese food is here. And <laughs> <laughs> so he went to get his Chinese food, and we left it at that. But it was great working with him. That was my first time working with him. And then, yes, we were at West Hampton. It's a nice theater. Nice theater. And then after I won the Emmy, the producers, Brandenberry Weisler <clears throat> called me and asked me if I would like to play Annie Oakley in Annie Get Your Gun, if I'd like to go in for Bernadette. Bernadette was going to be leaving the show, and would I like to go in for her? And um, my agent called me from from ICM at the time in L.A., and she said to me, sit down. Here's, here's, she said, I don't even know if you sing. I said, well, yeah, I did musical <laughs> theater in high school and college. Yes, I'd like to do that. And she said, okay. And I said, and because Marvin, he said I should come to his apartment so he could hear me sing and see if he thought I could do this. Because after our last appearance together, he said, if you ever need me, I'm here to help you. Let me know. So I was offered this part. And I was way too shy to call Marvin Hamlish and ask him anything. But Helmut was not. So Helmut called <laughs> Marvin Hamlish, told him what was being offered, and uh, what did he think? And Marvin was very generous. He had been on—he was on tour. When Helmut reached him, he was in Europe. And he said, but I'm coming home Sunday night. Come to my apartment and sing for me, and I'll tell you. So we went to Marvin's apartment. Scariest thing I ever did at that time. I rang Marvin Hamlish's doorbell to his apartment, and he answered. And his lyricist was there with him. And his wife, Terry Blair, was in the back room. And he said, so come on in. I have— lyricist here, I'm going to play the piano and sing through some of the numbers. And I had by then, you know, just locked myself in my room and learned all the music. And he said, so I want you to sing a ballad and an uptune. And I had to, and I did. And he said, okay, I'm going to go now to the back of the apartment. He has one of those pre-World War II apartments. Yeah. And he went, and it looked like a La Ligue glass partition. And he went way in the back. And he said, now sing to me. And I did. And he came out. And I guess because it's Broadway and he needed to know he could hear me. And he said, okay. He said, you can do this. He said, you can do this if you want to. I want you to work for, for a week with Craig Cornelia. That was his, he, he was his lyricist. And come back to me and sing again. And so I did. And uh, he said, yeah, there's no question you can do this. He said, you're very brave. Tall you're not. <laughs> we can fix that. <laughs> we can fix that. And so Bernadette wasn't either, so it worked. worked. So he encouraged me to do it, and he he really helped me to get to the place where I could do it because the next step was to sing for Barry and and Fran Weisler, and I wanted to. They did not ask for that. I wanted to because I wanted wanted to know I could do it. How long did you do it? Not long enough, I'll tell you. It was just a month because by that time Bernadette decided she didn't want to leave. She was just going to leave for the holidays. She came back. And it was Reba after that? Reba after that, because by that time, all my children wouldn't let me go. Uh-huh. They were beginning a new, truly a very important storyline. But at the beginning, when they told me it was going to be a very important storyline and they couldn't let me go, if you tell me no, I'm not just going to say, oh, okay. Right. I'm never going to throw up my hands. This is a great opportunity for you. Oh, my goodness. My dream. I grew up in New York. To be a little girl, to grow up in New York, and then you have a chance to be on Broadway? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, great show. Oh, great show. Great part. With the original cast. So, you know, I would try to go over that brick wall, over it, under it, through it, around it. How? You know, I gave them all sorts of 
notions. Could we do this? Could we do that? This was the opportunity of a lifetime. But all my children did not see it that way. ABC did not see it that way at the time. Actress Susan Lucci. If you're enjoying this conversation, tell a friend. And be sure to follow Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, Susan Lucci shares how it felt to finally take home the Emmy after her 19th nomination. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Susan Lucci has inhabited many amazing roles, including one as national ambassador for the American Heart Association. The organization seeks to reduce deaths caused from heart disease and stroke and has contributed over $5 billion in cardiovascular and cerebrovascular research. I wanted to know how she first got involved with the nonprofit. I had a heart incident actually five years ago, so that's great, you know, that I'm everything's wonderful. But it took me quite by surprise. I had never been sick, nothing. And uh, my mother, I lost my mother at 104. Oh. 
So where was she? Then she was she was in assisted living in Florida, mm-hmm. which is a they have an art it's an art form in Florida. She was in a beautiful, wonderful place, but she had never had anything major. She was a hundred at the time, so I was out actually shopping for a birthday present for a friend, and uh, it was the third time that month I had felt some pressure on my chest, radiating around my rib cage to my back. The first two times, I didn't take it seriously. I th- I thought. As most women do, oh, it's nothing. It'll go away. I don't have time for this, and it's and it was and it did go away. But the third time, it felt like an elephant pressing on my chest. And I had heard a woman do an interview many years before. No reason to even remember this, but I did. And uh, I sat down. Good, I was out in, in a public place because the manager came over and asked me how I was feeling. I told her, and she said, Susan, my car is right outside. I can get you to St. Francis Hospital, the heart hospital. Uh, it's a mile down the road, faster than an ambulance will come. And I went with her. It turned out she also had a degree in nursing. I mean, what are the odds of that? She was so calm. And uh, I had no reason to have a cardiologist, but my husband did, and I called him. He met me at the ER. Turned out I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent. You never smoked? I never smoked. There was no reason to have this. Turned out, this is interesting, we all in my family thought that I have my mother's genes because she never had anything. I never had anything. And um, it turned out, at my otherwise fabulous, handsome, terrific father's genes in that regard. So it was a calcium buildup. Who knew? But I found out. Anyway, so I couldn't keep my good luck to myself. I had to get out there and tell women what symptoms would be and to listen to them and to put themselves on their own to-do list and take take care of themselves. You were a finalist in a beauty pageant. Is that true? Yes. (laughs) I was. (laughs) What was the beauty pageant you were the finalist in? Miss New York State? Miss New York State Universe. For for the Miss Universe, yes, you were like getting on deck for Miss Universe, yes, and you were and you were the win, you were the runner up for Miss New York State Universe, yes. When I look at you, you're so attractive, not as just as a woman and beautiful. You're an unbelievably beautiful woman. You're a gorgeous woman. Thank you. And you're attractive as a person. You've got this warmth. You have that magical je ne sais quoi that people have on camera. People are connected to you, and they're looking at you and taking you in. That head toss of yours. Thank you. You should have patented that. You could make a billion dollars <laughs> teaching people how to do different types of head tosses. <laughs> You're so funny. To certain effect. <laughs> no, your head toss is, is legendary. <laughs> but you stayed connected, I'm assuming because of family, your husband, the things that a lot of people do. But with beauty, talent, you could have gone to L.A. and just made movies and did TV and, and just ran in that direction, and you didn't. Mm. Why? Maybe that uncertainty, you know, that you were saying some of the younger generation now is is. Uh, Are feeling... you telling us you're insecure, Susan Lucci? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Was it also family? Yes. I, I. By that time, by the time my career was taking off, I had a, my first child, my daughter, Liza, who was probably three years old, four years old. And um, I just thought... I wanted to raise raise my children here. You know, anything you ever read about raising children and being a celebrity yourself, especially not in New York, but going to L.A. And being a mom. And being a mom. Not a dad, but a mom. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to raise them with as much, and I'm going to put this in quotation marks, normalcy as possible. And what I knew as normalcy was growing up in the town I grew up in. And 
in fact, I when I met my husband, I wanted to move away from there. You know, when you grow up some someplace, the grass is always greener someplace else, and you you, I didn't realize how special a place it was. But my husband, who came from the Austrian Alps, pretty special place itself, grew up in this magical way, thought that Garden City was a great place to raise children. And yeah. so he, you know, he had that influence over me. And, and I, I thought he was right. And um, from everything I read and everything he said and everything I could see, by that time I thought, yeah, there's a sense of community here. And there's a lot here for raising children in normalcy. Also, as I got closer up to the nighttime series situation at that time, not that my daughter was even in school, she was three, I learned that they take a break at the time. It was, you would never see your children. You know, you go back to work on a nighttime series, at least in those days, at the time where your children are getting out of school. So the whole summer, you know, you're, you're busy going back to work. Whereas if I stayed in daytime, I could go whenever I wanted to go according to more their control. more control yeah. over my real I life. tried forever never to work in the summertime and, I, and many summer many years I didn't I was I I would I think the times I worked in the summer was for like for Scorsese Oh well <laughs> like I had no but I'm saying like I had to say yes of there was course. no chance and go shoot in August or something for a couple of weeks I mean I never had a a big part in those films but I would just to be with him and be around him was a thrill but uh, I tried to you know be with my kids and stay home all the time and and then eventually that becomes who you are. Now, when you finally won your Emmy, your hard-fought, well-earned, <laughs> well-deserved Emmy, when you were sitting there, did you just expect it to be the same over again? You kind of... Kind of, yes. I will tell you that every year I would get whipped into a frenzy because the press corps, you know, they said, this is your year, this is your year. But that year, everything was in place. It was a great storyline. It was very well shot, very well directed, very well acted by everybody. Good stuff. Good stuff. But, you know, after a while, I mean, 19, it was my 19th nomination. You know, you kind of say, hmm, history's taught me I'm probably not, you know? And yet part of you, and I'm also not, I'm a hopeful person. I didn't want to give up completely, you know? So, yeah, I thought, well, maybe, but, mm." and I wrote a couple in my head the night before lying in bed. I thought, wow, if they're right, there are people I really want to thank. So I, you know, talked through my head a little bit who I might thank, but I kind of didn't want to let myself even go there, you know. Mm. You won the Emmy for for acting, your 19th nomination. Yes. And then you won the Life Achievement Award. Yes, just now. Just now. Mm-hmm. Well, now, how did that come about? That was a phone call. I got a phone call from my publicist saying Who's that— Who's the organization? The daytime Emmys. Oh, the daytime Emmys themselves. Yes, and there's an Emmy oh, committee, right? And they unanimously said they wanted to give me the award. So. Oh my God! Well, congratulations for that. Thank you. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Much less hair raising when you know ahead of time. Much less. And Nicholson said to me uh, a while ago. I said to him, "When you won the Oscar, he'd been nominated a couple times. But when you won the Oscar, you kind of looked like you knew you were going to win." You were sitting there, you had this really kind of a weird kind of smile on your face sitting in there. I watched the, for the film, and he goes, they owed it to me. Oh. <laughs> he said, they owed it to me, and they knew they owed it to me. <laughs> I've been nominated two or three times before, and I didn't get it, and they knew they owed it to me. Oh, that's so funny. And I thought, wow, what do you think to say? Well, you know, you but know. It, yeah, yeah. Let me just say, you are this great goddess and legend of uh, daytime television and so forth. But I tell you, I hope you don't retire. Thank you. can't you. retire because you're not done. You're not done. Thank you. A lot of other things you could be doing. Thank you. My thanks to Susan Lucci. This episode was recorded at CDM Studios 
in New York City. We're produced by Kathleen Russo, Zach McNeese, and Maureen Hoban. Our engineer is Frank Imperial. Our social media manager is Danielle Gingrich. I'm Alec Baldwin. Here's the thing is brought to you by iHeart Radio. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Get in zone. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.